Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Making Money. Ron Hebert, the financial coach, is standing by. I'm Gord Whitehead, retired broadcaster. Ron, we told the folks we were going to talk about fixed income again this time around on Making Money. We've, we've looked at how you can build a, a portfolio in that regard. This is another angle to that, right? Yeah, what we're going to be looking at to today is we're looking at building a portfolio of individual securities. And we're talking fixed income securities. So we're looking at corporate or government bonds, GICs, convertible debentures, strip bonds, coupons, real return bonds. They all fall within that category. So instead of buying a fund which owns them all, we're going to be talking about buying individual securities and placing them in your portfolio because there's some very, very significant advantages to do so. And they give you a lot more control over the, the process and what you own than if you're going to, you know, just buy a fund. And as, as we've talked about, we're in a, in a high interest environment right now, high interest rate environment, higher than we've seen in quite some time. So that's one of the reasons you want to be looking here, correct? Yeah, we haven't had rates at these levels since uh, 2007 to 2009. So, I mean, you're literally going back 15 years to find anything that even looked close to this. So, you know, we haven't had a lot of opportunities for fixed income investors to get the kind of returns that we're seeing now. So we want, thought we'd want to talk about uh, building a fixed income portfolio of individual securities because many people, uh, it's a lost art. They've never done it. They don't know how to do it. It's been so long before since there's been an opportunity even to do so that, uh, you know, pe- most people just give up and uh, look the other way, buy themselves a mutual fund and call it a day. And I think there's a better way to do that. So one of the areas you can get in here is, is you can tailor your portfolio with what your beliefs are. For instance, if, if, if you're, well, as an example, I guess if you think the financial sector is bulletproof, well, you can take a look there as an example, correct? Oh, exactly. Or you might not want to own defense stocks or def- or or defense companies that sell bonds. You might not, uh, you know, I had a lady who would never buy Ontario hydro bonds because they were used to finance nuclear power, which she would, did not like. So you can tailor your portfolio to only hold the types of bonds where the business aligns with your beliefs. So, you know, you, for example, maybe you, uh, you want to own a railroad. Well, you certainly, there's lots of railroad bonds, CNNR, CP, with yields right now over 5%. So there's lots to choose from out there. And because the bond market, uh, last time I looked, the bond market was 10 times bigger than the stock market is. And so the bond market is this behemoth, the fixed income market is this monster out there. And if you start looking, you just are going to be completely amazed at the, the number of securities and the issuers out there. So you usually uh, have lots of choice and a a huge menu to look down. Uh, The other thing, Gord, is bond prices can rise or fall depending on the interest rate movement. But if you buy a fixed income investment and you hold it to maturity, well, you're going to get the maturity price of the bond and the yield that you're, you're, you're promised to get unless it goes bankrupt. So if you're buying good quality, that's not likely. But if you're buying a bond fund, where the bond fund manager is forced to sell assets at a loss or, uh, you know, there's big redemptions, so he's forced to sell and, and 
uh, may be forced to buy at the wrong time because money's coming in when rates are really low. Well, you don't have that when you do it yourself. You can you can buy and hold to maturity, and you're going to get back what you put in, which is a real big advantage for you. So that's why I like to own individual bonds because I can hold them till they come due, and I know exactly the the rate of return I'm going to get, and I'm not going to be forced out of them by someone else making a redemption in a fund. So I like the self-control it gives you. Uh, you can also tailor the risk uh, with credit rating. So, you know, uh, investment grade is triple B or higher. So if you go triple B, single A, double A, triple A, you can tailor your risk. Now, obviously, if you go in below investment grade, uh, you get much higher yields, but you're taking on much higher risk. So you can tailor your risk to exactly where you want it. I mean, my rule basically is virtually everything in my fixed income portfolio is triple B or higher. And a lot of it is A or higher. So I've got a very high quality fixed income portfolio. And, uh, you know, that, that, that suits my risk tolerance. So I can tailor that risk tolerance to wherever I want it to be. And you can also tailor maturity here, can't you? So this, this yeah. money comes due when you need it. Yeah. So let's say in five years from now, you're deciding you want to buy a car. And, you know, you figure out maybe uh, the car you want to buy is thirty-five dollars or $40,000. Well, you can have an investment that matures in five years at, at that amount of money. So you know exactly the amount of money you're going to have and when it's coming due. So it's coming due when you, you actually need it. So you can tailor your portfolio. Or, you know, probably a more common example is you've got kids that are going to university or, or on to some kind of secondary education, and they're in junior high school right now. Well, in your registered educational savings plan, you can, you can start buying things that come due uh, in their first year of school or second year of school or third year of school or fourth year of school. I mean, that's what I always did. So when the kids got to, you know, three of my kids went on uh, to get uh, either go into trades or, or go to university. And well, I had the money there for them because I knew approximately when they were going to go. So each year I had uh, enough saves to cover, cover tuition and, and, and other costs. So, you know, having the ability to tailor the portfolio's maturities to exactly what you need is, is, is really wonderful because then you're not, you're not uh, scrambling around at the last minute trying to find money. And I guess you could you could do this to tailor your cash flow on a, on a on a regular basis, be it monthly or semi annually or something like that, right? Yeah, I mean, fixed income now comes in so many different flavors. Some play pay monthly, like mortgages. Uh, some bonds pay quarterly. Some pay semi annually. Some pay annually, and uh, especially for RSPs or or TFSAs where you don't even need the money, you can buy them where they compound. So the money just keeps rolling over and compounding at the, the initial interest rate that you, you, that you scheduled for. So big advantages to this. I guess there are some disadvantages here, and, and I would think the first one would be it's a little bit of work. Like, you have to do some research here. You've got to do your homework to do this. I mean, you've, you've, uh, if you do with a full-service broker, uh, you want to get in touch with them and tell them what you're looking for and uh, the yield, the credit rating, and they can do a lot of the homework for you. Or if you're dealing at a discounter, uh, generally you have to look because they, they don't put their fixed income generally on the front page easy to find. So yeah, it, you, you have to scroll down and it's in, in one of those back corners. But most uh, discounters now have pretty good inventory of, of things. So it's going to be more work. 
But if you're willing to do the work, you can get a portfolio that's tailored exactly to you, and no one can push you out and force you to take losses uh, when you buy and ladder properly, and you can you can hold this to maturity. I guess the other disadvantage is that you know, even at a discounter, you've got to be careful because sometimes the commissions that you find in fixed income, sometimes the prices they quote have the commissions built right into them. So, uh, you know, and unless you're you're really watching, sometimes these the the built-in fees make the yield so low. Uh, that you're actually, it's cheaper just buying the ETFs and because the mini ETFs right now have fees of a quarter point or less a year. So uh, you have to look at the, the costs of buying the fixed income versus the ETF, and sometimes these fees can be higher as well. So how do we build these? I guess you have to, as we say, you've got to pay attention, you have to do your homework. What's the best way to start? Do you want to ladder these somehow? Yeah, under normal conditions, you ladder your portfolio so that you have maturities coming due each year. So when when I used to do it, I mean, uh, Gord, I would, in my own portfolio, when I when I was just starting, I said, look, over the next 10 years, I'm going to try and have $5,000 of maturities coming due each year. And then when I got to that level and I said, you know, uh, I'm going to I'm going to move that up so that over the next 10 years, I'm going to have 10,000 coming due each year. And then I, once I got to that level, I'd go back and, and uh, ladder them again and just increasing the amount. So I had 15 and then 20 and then 25 and then 30. And before you know it, you've got uh, 10 years worth of uh, maturities that you've laddered up that you might have thirty or $40,000 coming due. And you say, hey, that's enough income to provide me with what I need uh, annually for retirement. So under normal conditions, you just ladder your portfolio so that you have maturities these coming due each year. Now, there's two exceptions here. First of all, when rates are low, so during that long period we had where, where five-year rates were like 1%, shorten terms to two years. In other words, really fatten the short part of the ladder because you don't want to you don't want to invest uh, out to 10 years if rates are 1% or 2%. Why lock in those kind of low uh, yields? Now, when rates are high, you do just the opposite. You lengthen when rates are high... Yeah, you invest your um, on your ladder, you go out to the 5 to 10 years, and you really fatten that part of your ladder. In other words, fill the longer dates on the ladder. Now, my rules of thumb are always I like to keep my maturities to 10 years or less because a lot can happen after 10 years. So each year that goes by, you add another year onto the the at the end of your ladder anyway. So you're always adding uh, new years, but I try to keep my maturities to 10 years or less. And you can, historically, you capture most of the yield with less volatility than going for longer terms. I like to stay with investment grade bonds and I hold my securities to maturity. And uh, finally, Gord, I like to look at the tax exposure here. And so fixed income investments, you pay generally the highest tax on. So if you can put them in your TFSA, RSP, or RIF, uh, that makes sense. Also consider putting them in accounts of family members who are in a low tax bracket uh, if you've filled up your TFSA and RSPs. And finally, if you buy discount bonds, these are bonds that trade below their maturity value. And because they're trading below their maturity value, and, and we'll get into this on another show, how to buy discount bonds. But you can actually get a capital gain, and you can use those capital gains uh, against uh, prior capital losses or capital gains you pay half the amount of tax on. 
So if you can buy bonds in a cash account at a big discount, um, you can get some significant tax savings and you can also use the gains you make to write off against other losses. So that's how you build a fixed income portfolio. And it becomes an adventure. It's fun to do the homework on this and sit down and say, gee, I hadn't thought about that particular company or that particular sector of the market. And you say, maybe I should be in there. One way to a kind of a do-it-yourself project, right? Well, Gord, I just look at uh, your portfolio over the years, and it was nicely laddered, and you had uh, you had investment-grade securities, and you had money coming due each year so that uh, when you retired, you could take it out. So, you know, you were just a classic example of how to do it. Well, thank you for that. Somewhat of a small feather in the cap. <laughs> All right, back again next week. Concrete. Big topic, Ron. Yeah, and what we... Now, what we're trying to do here, Gord, is we're trying to um, help people look at sectors of the economy that, you know, you normally wouldn't uh, think of investing in concrete. Yeah, you drive on it, um, and it forms the, usually the foundation of your house. Uh, you know, we use it for, for bridges. It's uh, by far uh, the most um, Commonly important building material, material, I think, right? Yeah. Just... Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's just one of those things you see every day, but nobody thinks about investing in it. And so one of our goals over the years is we try to go through this the economy sector by sector, and we try to just analyze the positives, uh, the negatives, and also the major players. So to give you basically an education, because it's, it's sometimes it's areas like this where it's, uh, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand cement, concrete, and aggregates. It just doesn't. And so most of us can comprehend it and intelligently invest in this sector. So these are some of the sectors I like to point out to people that, hey, there's a big investment world out there, and sometimes the best opportunities are sitting there looking you right in the face. So we'll delve into that next week as we pour a little concrete here on Making Money. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll talk to you next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.